keep on kissing babies and hugging fat girls. Full of suffering, suck attach, son. It's me, Austin. Oh, son of a bitch. What? It's me, Austin. It was me all along, Austin. And you teeth look like two tight too, Billy. And you book a match with me. That's right, Killing. Look at me. I'm a total package. I will rip him apart. I'm pissed now. Where to, Stephanie? <laughs> Wrestle Roasts on ad-free shows and ATC. Welcome, everyone, to Wrestle Roasts. I'm your host, Robert Karpolis, and no, your eyes, your ears uh, are not mistaken. Uh, this is coming out a couple days early uh, because we wanted to talk Royal Rumble while it was fresh. We wanted to talk the post-Rumble Raw. Um, and... Uh, yeah, I'm joined today, as always, in crystal clear, high definition, by Scott Chaplin. Scott, how are you? What up, man? I'm good. Yeah, I feel like three huge things happened before Dynamite. So uh, we will be reviewing Dynamite, but we're doing it on Patreon this week. Yeah, so we're going to do uh, Dynamite and SmackDown on the Patreon. Part of this is because, yes, it was Rumble. We want to talk about it while it's fresh. That post-Rumble Raw uh, also just happened. Part of it, I'm I'm traveling. I'm going to the nerdiest fucking thing I've done, and I host a wrestling podcast. I'm going to something called Megacon. I've never been to a comic book convention before. Um, not really my, my thing, uh, but the cast of Back to the Future is going to be there. And want to get a, a a photo with him since I am a huge Back to the Future Mark Scott. <laughs> I got I just picture Michael J. Fox in the shot all blurry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they they probably maybe they have to use a special camera. I don't know this. That's horrible. And now, Matt, you know what? As horrible as it now, I'm kind of like worried about it. Like I, I'm being sympathetic, but like like he has like some weird spasm, and then I have to be like. All right, can we can we retake it? Yeah, yeah. As long as he's not taking the selfie, we should be good. Um, I'm joking. You ever see the video of him on um there's a movie he made in the early nineties where there's like ghosts. He gets like attacked by a ghost in a bathroom. Yeah, there we go. But there's moments where he keeps calling characters doc, and uh, you could watch it on YouTube, a bunch of like bloopers. Because anytime he's being chased by a ghost or something, he's like, Doc. <laughs> awesome i it's i'm excited about it it'll be it'll be cool it's the one like weird fan thing i've ever done uh so it'll be, yeah, uh, man, it'll be i would take a picture with the goonies if i could so they're they're probably still working in a gas station somewhere you could probably find most of them well yeah one of them uh well chunk is uh is like a comedy uh agent oh really yeah so there's a few guys like robert kelly I forget what young guys are repped by him. Maybe like Sam Morell, but yeah, that's their agent. It's Chunk. Okay, that's that's a that's got to be weird to be like, oh yeah, I was cool. It's kind of like I was gonna make a really old person reference, then I realized it wouldn't matter. Did you ever watch Hey Dude on Nickelodeon? Of course I did. Yeah. 
Um, no, not Hey Dude. I'm sorry. Salute Your Shorts. Did you ever watch Salute Your Shorts? Yes. I watched Salute Your Shorts more than Hey Dude. So um, Dina, the like stuck up girl, became a lawyer. And to me, that would be the weirdest thing ever if I was at like a legal conference and all of a sudden I'm like, holy shit, you're the girl from Salute Your Shorts. Yeah, you try to get the case thrown out. Yes, I, I'll just I get like I'll get disbarred because I'll just keep being like, so what was UG like in real life? <laughs> like my client goes to prison. It's fine. It's worth it. Oh, that I used to have nightmares about that plumber. Uh, oh, Zeke the plumber. There we go, dude. All right, so they put salute your shorts up on like one of these streaming things, Paramount Plus or whatever, and I wanted to introduce my daughter to the shit that I watched when I was a kid. Um, because there's a show on Disney called Bunked, and it's kind of like the modern version of Salute Your Shorts. I'm like, I got the original. So we watched the first episode. It holds up. I go to put on the second episode. The second episode of that show is Zeke the Plumber. I can't I can't do that to my kid. <laughs> that's that's bad parenting right there. Anyway, this is a wrestling podcast, apparently, too. Uh, we're going to talk uh, wrestling here. We're going to talk the Rumble. We're going to talk Raw. We're going to talk the other kind of big, swirling news that's going around. A lot of The nice thing about the Rumble is there's so many little stories, both within the show and outside of the show, to kind of talk about on this weird-ass road to WrestleMania. And honestly, to talk AEW, is kind of it's kind of depressing. Um... Yeah, I think the WWE stuff is is it is also sad. What's going on? Obviously, um, the Vince thing is like massively the worst, and I know we're not talking about that. I think we're more talking about we can talk about. It. I don't give a shit. I don't. I don't have a deal. The- I don't have a deal with WWE to make any kind of content <laughs> or programming. I can talk as freely as I want. Um, well, no, we talked it last week, but I we mean, did, no, we did yeah, talk about Rumble week. itself coming out of the Rumble. We got stuff that even after the rumble, they didn't know we were getting. So before, I mean, before any of that, when we talked Vince last week, and I, I will say this: the feedback that that I've gotten from last week's show through the roof. People really enjoyed it. They they felt we tackled a really uncomfortable situation well. Uh, folks that listened to it who wrote about it on Facebook, I got DMs from people, some folks in the industry, like felt we kind of did one of the best jobs of talking about the whole Vince situation, making it accessible. So thank you guys for that, that feedback. But after we recorded the show, Slim Jim pulled their, their sponsorship. And when they talk with their wallet, that's when people have to listen. And it was that incident that led to Vince announcing his resignation from the board. You know, we talked about can they force him out? I'm like, no, you can't really force Vince out. He would have to leave voluntarily. He did. So the rumble on Saturday was which, the- mind you, Slim Jim is like next at every gas station. They're next to the dick pills, and Slim Jim has not stepped in when it comes to gas stations and their placement next to dick pills and five hour energies, and yet they don't want to be anywhere near Vince. In the WWE, Slim Jim, who like their mascot for years was Macho Man Randy Savage, and we all love 
Randy Savage, but like the if you watched even the A and E documentary about him, it's like, hey, this was like a paranoid guy who locked Liz in a closet and apparently was like recording Gorgeous George and seemed like not the most level headed individual. And that's not even touching on the the big rumor of why he left WWF in the first place. But Slim Jim is not exactly the bastion of moral integrity. And then they pulled out. And then when Vince resigned, like 10 minutes later, like, oh, no, just kidding, guys. We're back. We're back. Enjoy our weird, disgusting meat sticks. Yeah, that was great. That was like, we're not we're not going on vacation with him. And then he pulled out. They're like, all right, fine. We're good. Yeah, this was uh, WWE had to be thrilled because this was a massive sponsorship deal. And they were pretty well baked into the show. They they had like the they did this thing on the ring where they were now using like the, the logos of the companies. So you, there was the slim Jim logo all over the place, the C4 energy all over the place. To me, it's now C4 energy it. was the countdown clock was like a battery, yes. right? Yeah. Which that looked cool, but the slim Jim thing. And then there was another one that's escaped. It was like a 5g tower in the yes. center of the ring. Yes, it's just it's distracting as hell to me because the Slim Jim coloring with like the bright yellow and red, like it looked like nitro. And it was it was hard to focus like it's kind of like what we're going to get in the Super Bowl because it's the Chiefs and the Niners and they both basically have the same color uniform. So it's going to be very strange to watch. Yeah, very McDonald's Super Bowl. It's what it felt like. That's what it. um, but I'm excited for it because my daughter likes Taylor Swift. So we are. Rooting for Kansas City. Also, I don't really like the Niners, so we're we're good. Uh, but you don't watch football, so I'm going to spare you any sports talk. No, but I'm an Usher fan. Is Usher doing halftime? Usher's doing half. You're an Usher fan? Yeah, man. Usher taught me how to dance in middle school. I wouldn't. I wouldn't have had moves at middle school dances if it wasn't for watching Usher music videos. I I would not have pegged you for an Usher fan. Uh, I can oh, picture yeah, you I've like danced in a few puddles in my life. I can picture you in like giant oversized jeans, like just massive <laughs> yeah, jean shorts trying to dance. Yeah, that seems <laughs> that seems on point. But no, like people like Usher well enough, but he's not like your favorite or top three hundred favorite artists. Like if you had to name three hundred musicians, do you think Usher would even make top three hundred? If I had to name. Maybe not, but if you said Usher, I would go, ah, crap. I yeah, did you'd be like, oh, I, I like Usher, for sure. Like That's kind of the reaction you have to him, but it's not like, man, you know who I wish would do the halftime show? Usher. Wait till he starts performing, and he's like four songs in, and you're like, holy shit. These, oh, no, he's got a- songs I, that affected my life? Uh, yeah, no, he's got a, a repertoire of songs. I'm not, I'm and then, not yeah, Little John's going to come out. Yeah, yeah, you're going to Oh, yeah, that one, too. Yeah, but Little John's got to be, like, 60. Sure. But, hey, aren't we all 60? <laughs> uh, Yeah, you know what? You say that. Doesn't it kind of feel like that? Aren't we all 60? So I had, like, one of those, like, Hello Darkness, my old friend moments during the Rumble when Carlito was out there and Cole goes, Carlito debuted in his first Rumble all the way back in 2006. And we're not at the point where all the way back applies to 06. Like, I was there in 06. That does not, like, I feel like I'm close to, like, death now. 
Yeah, that's uh, that is a rough one, but he looks great, and that's what I do like about a lot of these wrestlers. Thank, uh, thank the Lord for the fact that they continue to work out. I do not know what I would feel like these people who are like Ric Flair's age, when you know he would make a return at like forty something, and they acted like he was an old man. You know, uh, they just look. At different. least they treat John Cena. You know, the camera angles can't help the bald spot, but they don't acknowledge that Cena is. Well, I guess they do acknowledge he's older, don't they? They acknowledge he's older, but he doesn't look old. Like we, you look at, uh, you know, fellow ad free shows host Arn Anderson. That dude looked like he was seventy when he was in his twenties. There was just something oh, yeah, about like that time. generation. In my mind, Hulk Hogan at WrestleMania three looks ten years older than I do now. I agree. Yeah, it's weird, but uh, Rumble. From St. Pete at Tropicana Field, which is a dump, is a terrible building. Uh, it was the Thunderdome for a while. And at some points during the night, it kind of felt like we were back in Thunderdome. So one of the things I'll address kind of at the top was, I think we were all watching this live based on the, the text chain. Were you were you watching the Rumble live? Yeah. Uh, yes, I was. So Mike... You guys remember Mike Lawrence sometimes comes on the show uh, occasionally. Um, with, yeah, when he doesn't have diarrhea, he's on the show. When he doesn't have diarrhea or like a real job. Those are the two yeah. parameters. It's either, hey, I got to work with Pete Davidson or eh, I'm taking a shit for four hours. Um, <laughs> which that guy's on Dynamite. Take a shit. Uh, but Mike was, I think it was like the first PLE he's watched live. And he started to realize like in the Peacock era, because they have to wedge in commercial breaks, it really fucks up the pacing of the show. Yeah, there you were... don't even get the uh, in, instead of the video montage or whatever they're showing the people that are paying eleven dollars. Uh, yeah, you have to get you know a good chunk of time of commercials, and then like we just talked about for ten minutes, then you got to stare at Slim Jims and a five G sign. Uh, and and a countdown clock that is a battery for like diesel engines or like I don't I don't know what I mean it was like I mean what an industrial rumble. Here's the deal though. You're not paying what the pay-per-view prices used to be. Like you were paying like 50, 60 bucks for a pay-per-view. There better not be commercials. There better not be sure. ads. Like that's you're making your money off that. Unless you're using it and like watching it in the way that like Scott theoretically might have, but correct. This is like on Peacock. Most people get Peacock for like, I think it's like what, like five bucks a month. Yeah. Maybe even cheaper. So what's weird is because I have Xfinity it's included, but you can only get it included at like the ad tier. So I was like, okay, can I just pay the difference and get the ad free thing for like an extra like three bucks? Like, oh no, no, our system isn't set up for that. So apparently I've asked for an incredibly complex thing. Like, I'm trying to give you more money so I can stop having to watch commercials. And they're like, nope, sorry, we we can't do that. So all due respect to the folks that may be talking to Peacock, uh, who will remain nameless, but fuck Peacock. They can't, they they don't have their act together. No. 
Anyway, Rumble opened. Uh, yeah, man, it was way too many commercials for, again, I like a, it was what, a four-card show. I love yep. that. I was excited about that. The chunks of time in between matches. Mind you, WWE has been doing this thing for like three years now where entrances take about eight minutes. Yeah. That was that was exclusively an Undertaker thing. It is everybody. It eats up a lot of time. And I get that you want to make them theatrical and you want to make them important. This doesn't need to be a four-hour show for me to feel like I got my money's worth. Plus, I love I love you guys, the Forbidden Dorks. I love all wrestling fans. I love most wrestling fans. I love some wrestling fans. Most of y'all, not the most physically fit individuals on the planet. So the rumble, when you're live, you needed to have trained as an audience member to go to this because every 90 seconds there's an entrance. So you got to stand up, you got to cheer, then you got to sit back down, try to catch your breath, and then do it again another minute and a half later. Two rumbles damn near killed some people in that audience. <laughs> I didn't think that's what it was. Yeah, that's it part was of the it, type dude. of cardio these folks aren't used to. It's it's a lot. It was a DDP um, yoga. He was there. They could they could have used some DDP yoga. Oh yeah, I saw that. But uh, yeah, Rumble the, the so we're not going to go entrant by entrant, but I'm going to touch on what I think are kind of big moments, points, stuff. Uh, first of all, Pat McAfee back. It was cool that Pat was back on commentary for Rumble. It was clear Pat did not watch a minute of WWE programming while he was away, because some of his comments were absolutely fantastic. Like at some point, it kind of felt like I would like if you're old, if you assuming you had an older brother. I don't have an older brother, but if you have like an older brother who didn't watch wrestling for like ten years, and they just come in and they start talking about what's going on, but they really don't know what's going. Like, oh, that dude looks huge, man! Look at that! Look at that guy! Like that was kind of half what Pat was doing, but he's got enough energy and enthusiasm that it covers up a lot of that shit. Yeah, I'll say this: I was excited about the Royal Rumble, and then the first thing to happen was a, a Pat McAfee um, entrance, and I thought that was cool and exciting. And I'm only pointing that out because I am going to be disappointed in him later. I like that. I, see, I thought he was going to be your hero. So Pat did something that has never happened before on WWE programming, Scott. He was the first person ever to acknowledge using a black box to illegally watch WWF pay-per-views. <laughs> like on ca on commentary just drops it just as like i remember you know like if you're if you were you know stealing it on the black box or whatever i was like holy crap that was oh that's great that was historic <laughs> so the the first story of the rumble was the return of naomi we kind of predicted that she was going to be there it was cool that she was there. She looked like she was, you know, ready to go because she was doing stuff in, in TNA. Happy with that surprise, Scott? Thrilled. I was very happy with it. We knew it was happening. Uh, I loved that it was second. Great re reaction. The crowd was, uh, gave her a, a deserving welcome back, right, is I think what she got. She got a welcome uh, back, yeah. Yeah, I was very happy for her because she belongs in WWE, obviously. She's like genuinely a talented in-ring uh, performer. 
I mean, everything about her, the entrance, all the shit, she's got it all. Speaking of entrances, uh, she has an identifiable entrance. It's an exciting entrance. It is. Uh, it uh, looks important. Look cool. It's very important. Yes. That was kind of a recurring theme throughout the night, wasn't it? The yeah, I mean, there's a moment uh, that it was kind of trending on Twitter where it's Seth Rollins watching the men's rumble and he stands up while like someone's music is playing. But you can tell he doesn't know who it is until they walk out and you can see him register it and then continue to enjoy it. And that was me for a lot of the match where I'm, I'm hearing a song and I'm focusing on the Tron to see their name. Yeah. Because otherwise, I don't know what's what's happening. That's that's bad. kind of the chat. What's the challenge? Like when they got rid of Jim Johnston years ago, they replaced. They started using uh, the CFOs who were making like a lot of the theme songs. They were great songs. They got rid of them. What they make now, everything feels so generic and forgettable that I didn't know who half the people were going to be until, like you said, they they popped up on the Tron. Um, the the first big kind of what the fuck's going on surprise of the night. Uh, was it number five when Jordan Grace showed up? Yeah, I loved it. I thought that was great. Uh, they did that with Mickey James last year or two years ago. Two years ago, when she was when she was Knockouts champion. I love that. I think that should be like a a fun little common trend. I wish they continued the relationship after the Rumble, uh, especially because you know with Mickey there was like that throwback element to it as well as her being a uh, an Impact wrestler. But with Jordan Grace, uh, she's never been in WWE before, and she walks out, and she's better than everybody. Uh, that's important. She looked great, and they put her she over. She looked great, huge. and she could go. She wasn't better than everybody, but, man, she was better than 20 women in that match. I completely agree. They had her yeah. square off with Ivy Nile, which looked great. They had her square off with, with Bianca. Like, she eliminates or She gets eliminated by Bianca. But it wasn't like that thing where Vince would sometimes bring in like an ECW guy and then just absolutely annihilate him. Like, oh, we got to protect our guys. Jordan Grace went out there and she looked like she was formidable. Pat McAfee put her over like huge. TNA has got to be thrilled. That was great. Oh, her uh, and Naomi hug, which all that is is an acknowledgement of of TNA. Absolutely. So, there was really an early and she wore TNA colors. Which happened to be Slim Jim colors. Yes, that's the thing. She kind of blended in a little bit. She's also a lot shorter than I realized. I didn't think Jordan Grace was. Yeah, well, as she's short. dating Jonathan Gresham, so she has to be. Well, he's like three and a half feet tall, so yeah. Yep. He's uh, he's great on big little brawlers, but uh, <laughs> so one of the stories they had was Bailey came out at number three, and then you had Kyrie and Oscar both in the the uh, show up in the Rumble, and Bailey didn't know they were going to be there. So you're kind of setting that story up later. I liked that moment. Um, Chelsea Green, I thought, looked like a star in this match, Scott. A number of times, like she just kind of kept like getting bumped around, like Wiley Coyote, and basically like a human accordion, just wandering around, flopping around. I thought she was awesome in this. Oh, I love her. Yeah, she's great. Entrance was great too. One one of the only great entrances of the night. It was a, it was a strong entrance. Um, Couple of I'm just looking at some of the other kind of notes throughout it. Uh, I like that Alba Fire came out, and even Cole had no idea who the hell it was. Like he, yeah, I didn't like, know who she was. She's her and uh, her. She's a uh, her and Isla Dawn are a tag team. They were on an NXT. They're like spooky wizard women. 
like from Hocus Pocus okay. or something like that. Uh, they they got moved to SmackDown. They just don't really seem to use them, which sucks because it's cool having kind of supernaturally characters. Oh, I agree. Yeah. Um, yeah, we and we need some like a witch woman is uh that's good shit. It's cool. Uh, Kyrie yeah. Sane had a really he impressive next character, you know. A ste- yes, you well, you, no, you yeah, like wanna, a modern you, witch, just like a reserved, like oh yeah, a Wiccan, you know. Yeah, but Stevie Nicks, you don't want someone doing that many drugs; they won't survive. <laughs> the kids today can't handle a Stevie Nicks level of of drugs. Uh, I think Kyrie Sane, the way that she hung on to the the ring apron, was one of the cool moments of this match. Very they, cool, and something um, that you can do because of that that new apron, which is um. Which is a uh, a billboard? Yes, the the screen, the electric screen thing. Um, number twenty four was one of the highlights of the match when Valhalla starts coming out, and then R Truth interrupts her because he thought it was he thought this is the rumble he was supposed to be in. That dude is incredible. He's great. I love him. I loved this moment. I think she should have beat his ass. You, I get why you why you would want that. The problem is, is because he has to show up later. You don't want somebody yeah. getting beat up and then they just show up fresh after. Yeah, I it, almost think she should have uh, showed up in the men's match and beat his ass. No, no, Valhalla is terrible. She oh, is not okay. good. That, in that is the, the idea. Ring. She's yeah. not very good in the. And okay. I like that Cole just bullies her about the antlers. Like it's her gimmick, and she in real life is like a. Like her and and Eric of the Viking Raiders are real life like shoot Viking people. Like this is what they do. Their wedding was a Viking wedding. They're living their gimmick. It's a little, a little much. Well, Vince Russo said that uh, he's mad that she has like shaved arms and legs, right? Yeah, but Vince Russo is a fucking idiot. So oh, I think we're I think we're good there. Um, Roxanne Perez was in this match as kind of one of the surprises and she came up from NXT. Then you got the other big, uh, I guess the last four were all surprises. So it was Roxanne, then Jade Cargill, Tiffany Stratton and Liv Morgan. Jade Cargill, in my opinion, looked like a legitimate top tier star as soon as she walked out there. Oh yeah. I mean, her image alone is, um, it's iconic. She looks like something that is special. You know, she just does. She looks very important. Uh, she looks the way like an Arnold Schwarzenegger looks. Um, you know, she sticks out. She's different than everybody, and she 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 like she deserves to be successful based on image alone. Uh, and, and, and then she walks out there, and uh, she has gotten. I'm not gonna say she's gotten better because we don't know. Everything was planned perfectly yeah but but they planned everything perfectly for her so she had like three moments in the match which are huge for her and the, and the moments were awesome and they were executed great she eliminated naya her and uh bianca uh both holding uh chicks over their heads and then dropping them and having that stare down was yeah. was fantastic um and who eliminated her at the end so Jade got eliminated. Um it was she oh, she was one of the final three. It was her, Liv, and Bailey. 
and they were like okay. fighting on the apron. And well, and well Bailey however they of, did it, yeah, and and they did it with the last few live as well. They they kept them out there and they had them react to the victor, and so it wasn't just the the final two and that last person who didn't get to win being disappointed. You got to see the scope of the division being disappointed in their losses and angry at someone's victory, which they never do. Yeah. That was cool. It, it made it I feel kind of real. Yeah. They, it's like logical. Make It's like they finally are listening to people who, who, who are watching it and going, Oh wait, maybe change that. Cause it doesn't make sense for people to not be frustrated and stick around. Right. They don't just like disappear like in a video game or something. Yeah, it's like getting kicked out of a bar, but worse, you're losing an opportunity at WrestleMania. It's a weird analogy, but sure. Uh, so Tiffany Stratton came out. Uh, she looked. I'm moving it along, dude. Uh, your bar analogy was kind of weird. Uh, I thought Tiffany looked great. Um, I think that uh, the crowd responded to her like she was a big star, which helps. And Liv at 30, that was a tough break for Liv Morgan. You, I mean, people, you think people were expecting Mercedes? People were expecting Sasha. There were, here's the problem with the Rumble. Again, guys, I love you all, most of you, some of you. You get it in your head that someone's going to debut or there's going to be a surprise. And then when it doesn't happen, you're disappointed. People thought at number 30, it was either going to be Alexa Bliss, AJ Lee, or Sasha Banks. There was no, there was no build, like there was no reason to think that any of those three were necessarily going to be there. But you get it in your head, and then you're like disappointed. Like I, I've never done Christmas, but I would imagine like if you're looking under the tree and you see like wrapped presents, you probably start guessing in your mind what they are, right, Scott? Oh sure, and and you know, top three choices aren't aren't Liv Morgan. Um, well, she tree. so in her defense, she hasn't been on in a while. She has not been on. I think I don't think she's been on since Bray passed away, and she's got you know she's with Bo Dallas. So I get yeah. the emotional return that you had well, and there. people love people the people that dig her i mean they really oh, like people her. love her uh, online. A, a lot of what i saw after the rumble actually was like how do we get live her her title shot at mania what, what's that story where she gets to and and i mean i i don't see it but i'm also not paying attention like that but i mean part of her story is she like worked her ass off to actually be very um respectable in the ring right that's what i was gonna say like i i don't want to betray confidences of, of people but i know folks who have been working with Liv for the last couple of years she has put in a lot of time uh natalia has like a she's basically built a dungeon her and, and tyson kid tj wilson in in central florida where they work with a lot of people they've been working with jade Liv is there uh Dawkins goes there a lot. There was a big hubbub online because Ricky Starks was there and there was like footage oh, of it. That video, yeah. And people were like, oh shit. And like, yeah, no, they, they're fr like people are friends. They still show up and do stuff and they train because they want to get better. So 
that was what Liv was doing voluntarily for a long time because she is, there's no way to say this without sounding like a sexist asshole. I'm just going to put that right out there. She is someone who in a prior era would have traded on her looks and wouldn't have needed to have gotten better in the ring. Think back to like the Stacey Keebler, Tori Wilson era. Liv Morgan is a objectively mainstream attractive woman. Oh yeah. She still would have uh, fit in for sure. She like, she looks like uh, the famous woman in Barbie. Oh, uh, Margot Robbie. Yeah. She looks enough like her. She, she does look like her. Like she doesn't need to, she wouldn't have needed to have gotten better to secure a position in this company, but she put in the time and she's worked and she earned uh, the respect of a lot of people. It's not just like creepy neckbeard guys that are like drooling over her. Like she, really has gotten better. And I think they wanted to see that get recognized a little bit. Uh, the next, if you hear heavy breathing, it's my dog just jumped in my lap and she's a big idiot. I'm not yeah. panting over the one. Okay. It, it's, it's very possible. You might be, uh, Bailey one was happy to see Bailey win because we talked before about the story that it made sense for her to win. And then her to cat, you know, cash in, on EO instead of Rhea. I'm sure we'll still find a way to get to Becky and Rhea, or maybe it's going to be Becky, Rhea, and Nia. I don't know what it what it ultimately wound up looking like, but Bailey winning was cool. Oh, and then the crazy Bailey fact, winning is so it's so deserved. Yeah, that was insane. The crazy fact they said she's never had a singles match at WrestleMania. Wow. Like that's I didn't, I didn't recognize that. That's it, absurd. So they yeah, said it on commentary. Moment. And, you know, I'm glad you said that because even without knowing that, it, it's obvious she has a story that is, um, you know, she can tell the kind of story that a Danielson can tell, right, that a punk was able to tell. And I think right now we need that. And I think there was a moment at the press conference. We'll just talk about yeah, – we, we could jump in and out. When she spoke at this the press conference um, – Someone was like, how does it feel to be main eventing uh, WrestleMania? And she was like, let's not go that far. And my brain didn't understand what she meant because I was like, well, you won the Rumble. But I'm like, oh, yeah, you're right. You might not go last on night one. Um, and in our heads, you weren't because we were getting CM Punk, Seth Rollins night one. Right Now she has a chance to to give us that story of, no, I deserve to close out the fucking show. Not only have I never been on Mania, but like, you know, at this point, these other women have headlined. They have main evented uh, pay-per-views and shit and WrestleMania. So I don't know. I think there's a story to tell that you can get behind that isn't just, oh, the woman's match. There's a story They're to tell. rooting for the woman's match to go on last. And I think Bailey's like the only person who could tell that story. She is. I mean, the match isn't going to go on last. There's no way You're they're right. Main, they're not main eventing <laughs> with Bailey and EO, but it's a nice thought. Uh, speaking of guys who should never main event WrestleMania, LA Knight was in the four-way match with AJ Styles, Randy Orton, and Roman Reigns. What did you think of this match, Scott? Oh, I was not feeling it, but I do think LA Knight probably worked. I don't know if I'm, I'm going to say worked the hardest, but I think he was maybe booked the best in this match. He, he uh, yeah. They, no, they protected him like well. It. Yeah, and, and again, yeah, I just really... You're getting the same ending as any any of these Roman matches, and and I get repetitive in, when it comes to shitting on Roman, but my God, 
And then they got to talk about him like he's dominant, even though it's solo every match, every match. It was it was repetitive. It was there was a fatigue to it. The this was like I was critical. Well, and of the, I didn't even again, you know, it didn't even make me go, oh, I can't wait for an AJ Orton match, or oh, I can't wait for LA Knight to to do this. And a big reason I watched the Rumble is like it is that cliffhanger before Mania, where you know some people can kind of tune out if they feel like it. They can. This match was totally forgettable. This was when I was critical of Dynamite last week and said, if you looked at the poster that they put out, you could have predicted every match exactly what was going to happen. This match, everyone knew Roman was going to win. Solo was going to probably interfere in some way, shape, or form. And Orton was not going to get pinned. So then it just came down to, do you pin LA Knight or do you pin AJ Styles? It made the most sense to pin AJ. That's the finish we got. This just felt like these guys going through the motions. Yeah, I think this I mean, killed hey, the crowd. You got to see all of them. You got to see them, but it was just like I felt. I like would have preferred them in the Rumble, man. I'm glad they weren't in the Rumble because you can only eliminate so many guys in a creative way where they're protected. But you, this way, they at least like, hey, you you got to kind of get a title shot. Cool, we can move on. Uh, we'll move on because it was uh, Kevin Owens versus Logan Paul. And I love Kevin Owens. I, I'm a big fan of what Logan Paul has been doing. This finish was like fucking WCW where he had the brass knuckles on his hand and then the refs counting and then sees them and then disqualifies Kevin. I get that they needed a way out of this match. Honestly, I would have been fine if Logan Paul knocked Kevin Owens, Kevin Owens out with the brass knuckles, got away with it, and pinned him. Yeah, and that's what it should have been. And, you know, you got this guy Jeff coming out, and there's something funny about Pat being like, oh, Logan's friend Jeff is here. What's Jeff doing here? But, bro, we don't know who Jeff is. Uh, he's just some jabron. This, And what really sucked was, there was moments in this match where I was like, damn, Kevin Owens is is lumping up Logan. Yeah. Uh, and Logan sells like a motherfucker. You could tell he's like a fan of good wrestling matches. This guy watches like Will Ospreay and Hangman. Um, but because they beat each other up so much, the ending was actually more disappointing. Because yes. it, it was such like a cartoonish... Um, you know, the audience has become smarter than this standard-ass cartoon version of how wrestling match ends. I agree. I think that the, the finish of this match... It was bad. And again, we just got that Fatal 4-Way that was so inconsequential that this ending was like... It makes you go, well, restart the match. It, it was so bad that you, you did nothing but waste everybody's time. The outcome, not the match, the outcome. Yes, I, and I get it. You had Theory out there and Waller out there. If those guys were out there, that's enough for you to get an out to one of them distracts Kevin, Logan pins him, whatever. But when you have back-to-back -back flat matches with all of that time in between because they needed to fit in commercial breaks, the men's rumble didn't have a chance. And I know that yeah, people were critical. I know people were critical of the rumble. I, I liked the men's rumble. I didn't love it. I liked it. I liked a lot of the stories they were telling. But again, people thought, Rock was going to show up. 
and they were disappointed that Rock wasn't there. I think people were expected. There were some people who, despite every reason of saying that he's not going to be there, thought Okada was going to show up. They just get it in their mind that that these things are going to happen that aren't. And sometimes you just kind of got to watch the rumble and let the story tell itself without constantly thinking who's going to be the next big surprise. Um, Men's rumble open with Jey Uso and Jimmy, which I thought was a cute little way to like, you're telling that story. And all we kept talking about for the last month was they're setting up so many nice little moments that we're going to get in this rumble match. And this was definitely one of them. Oh yeah. No, they, this match opening was exactly what we were supposed to get. I I think we all kind of knew it was happening and, and, and I hope we get that singles match. Um, one of the nights, night two. Uh, I, yeah, I think Jay and Jimmy seems to be the way to go. We got the the big surprise of the men's rumble was Andrade debuting or returning. What did you think of seeing Andrade back? I loved it. I loved his gear. I like Andrade a lot. He belongs in uh in WWE. I think he's going to be great in WWE. Uh, there was moments in this match where I was like, oh, yeah, I can't wait till he fights that guy. Oh, yeah, I can't wait till he fights that guy. Uh, I was actually surprised that he signed with Raw because I think the matches are so obvious on SmackDown for him. But maybe that's why he signed with Raw. That's that's to, why I'm glad they put him on Raw. Stay away from all yeah. that, and then you don't have to go, is he friends with these guys? Is he enemies of these guys? It's he's on he's in another uh, you know because it's the weird like you know what it is Scott wrestling kind of makes you subconsciously racist in the sense that well if Andrade's back obviously he's going to feud with Santos Escobar and be part of the LWO. Well, I think him and Santos are the. I don't want to. It's going to sound racist if I say they're related, but they are like very close in real life. Well, they're also you know, children of famous masked luchadors. So there's okay, there's that kind of multi-generational storytelling that you're you're getting there. But him on Raw, he gets to, you know, create his own identity away from all that. And I think there are some really fun matches and opportunities for him on Monday Night Raw. One of the big takeaways I just had just looking at just the first like nine guys, it's like Jimmy and Jey Uso are firing on all cylinders. Grayson Waller looked great. Carmelo Hayes, I think the world of Carmelo Hayes, like he's going to be a big star. Nakamura's, he's Nakamura is fine. Then you had Escobar, Karrion Cross, and Dom. And it's like there's a lot of great young talent or or fresh talent that they can do a lot of stuff with for the next several months. So I dug that. Um, they did the uh, Carlito Santos Escobar spot. They had Lashley come out, and then him and Karrion Cross went at it, and then Authors of Pain and Street Profits and everybody showed up. So you're telling the SmackDown story, which was fine. Uh, and then it you know, kind of settled in. Cody was in the middle, so that this year you couldn't say Cody was you know handed it at number 30. Uh, looking at those, uh, Kofi didn't get a big uh, elimination. I was surprised about that. Yeah, I was. I wonder why. I guess Gunther eliminating him set up the Raw match. Like, he eliminated him pretty decisively. But, yeah, you didn't get the cool, like, he jumps on a chair and hops on a 
you know, fucking water bottle or something. Um, Ron Breaker was in at 20. He he replaced uh, Brock Lesnar just in the match. Vince was not texting Braun Breaker and offering him any services. And Braun looked like he belonged. He could have accidentally. Braun and Brock are right, right under each other on the, on the contacts list. There's no way that Vince knows who Braun Breaker is. There's no way Vince knows who the Steiner brothers are. <laughs> no. Um, Omos was in the Rumble, which was weird because he hasn't been on TV in like 100 years. No, the but ma- I lo- I loved it. I thought he looked great. They finally figured out. You know, there's like these funny moments in um, in like I just like technology, I guess if you could call it. Like I've noticed that when you go to Target, you can get nice clothes at Target now. Like every store has basically mastered the T-shirt and jeans. Uh, they don't look stupid on you anymore. You could, you know, and uh, they finally they got a person to figure out clothes for a giant. Yeah, he looks cool. He doesn't look stupid. Uh, he's not wearing a big sling like Andre the Giant. You know, he just looks great. They figured it out. They figured it. He also bulked up. Like he he does. Like before, he kind of looked like tall, but just being a tall dude doesn't mean anything. I think while he was away, I think he was you know working out in the gym through completely legal and non-wellness policy violating means. And he looked great. And McAfee, when he went in, sold Omos like he was a nightmare. And that's why Pat eliminated himself, which was a goofy spot, but whatever. And then Braun... No, I thought this was not just a goofy spot. I think this ruined some moments in the match. One, it's a waste of a spot. We already saw Pat McAfee make an entrance. And we cheered in the beginning of the night, and it was really cool. So now we have another Pat McAfee, uh, you know, music cue, which is not exciting for us because we already got it. Yep. And he enters the match, and it's a moment in the match that right after he eliminates himself, you get Braun Breaker eliminated uh, by Dominic. But because it was so immediately after this awful Pat McAfee moment, your brain is still comprehending. The, the the turd that that was, that when Braun is eliminated eliminated by Dominic, which it was supposed to be Brock, this huge right. moment, uh, it almost goes unnoticed because the cameras don't really pick it up, and the commentary is is still dealing with Pat going back to the booth and sitting down and being like, well, what am I supposed to do? And it took away from like maybe there was another moment after that too, where another guy that was very important to the match got eliminated, and I'm like eliminations are the most the winner is the most important part of the Royal Rumble but those moments where those guys that were dominating get eliminated in the match uh, there was like none of that uh, in in the Rumble I mean who the fuck eliminated Gunther I don't even remember it felt like it felt like the the people who eliminated who they eliminated it all felt inconsequential and I think you know Mike Lawrence texted us uh, what a big moment when when with Angle and HBK and, and the way they got eliminated in the Rumble where you knew, oh, these guys are fighting at Mania. Yeah. We should have had at least two of those moments and we left not knowing shit, so, which sucks. Uh, I'm going to be the WWE shill. You can roll your eyes, whatever. The spot was – it was supposed to be Brock. So it was supposed to be Brock and Omos facing off since they had the match last year at Mania and it's – you know, big dude versus Brock and it's, you know, Godzilla versus King Kong. And then Pat McAfee, who's a big celebrity finds out you're the next guy in there. 
So it's Pat having to go into the ring where the only two guys standing are Brock Lesnar and Omos, big seven foot five monster, and you know the Beast incarnate. So he was supposed to go in, freak the fuck out, and then go. Problem was, it was Braun Breaker really haven't established fully that he is on the same level as a Brock Lesnar. And the elimination you were you were trying to think of was as soon as Pat eliminated himself, Braun eliminated Omos. And it just kind of like got glossed over. And then Dominic eliminating Braun was supposed to be Dom eliminating Lesnar. And they were supposed to do they're supposed to do Dominic and Lesnar at Elimination Chamber. So you're trying to like rebook a lot of this on the fly and it felt lesser than. Sure. And plus the Pat McAfee spot was uh, a Drew Carey spot with Kane. Yes. It was a Drew Carey spot with Kane. It was kind of, we, we got it with like Booker I think a year ago when Booker like got, you know, he came out and then almost immediately got eliminated. I don't need to see commentators go into the ring uh, again. I'm good. Truth came yeah, out. Just, at, it's yeah. Not many, not many exciting eliminations. You are, all right, that Dom eliminating Brock would have been massive. Um, I'll say Braun looked amazing. Braun Breaker, fast as hell, uh, eliminated some 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 big names and definitely dominated everybody, everybody in the match. So he was awesome. Yeah, it was a good debut for him. Truth came out at number 24, which is the same spot he did in the Women's Rumble. The big moment for him was that Damian Priest eliminated him to get the, the heel heat. Uh, Punk came out at number 27. He eliminated Dom because they had that little match at Madison Square Garden. 28. The, so, again, people expecting big names, big surprises. 28 was the return of Ricochet. I obviously, I'm a homer for Ricochet. I love Ricochet. I'm friends with Ricochet. This was a death spot for him. The crowd was like, are you fucking, like, seriously, there's four guys left and you're giving us Ricochet? I felt awful for him, Scott. Oh, yeah, I felt very, uh, very bad for him. And I love Ricochet. He's great. But at this point, not only have we not gotten, you know, a few more top names like we wanted, we didn't get any surprises, dude. Like, no actual surprises. Well, Andrade was the I'm one I'm glad surprise. they have a stacked roster, and, and, and so you don't need surprises. I get that. But there is something about the Royal Rumble where you're like, Drag out a 60-year-old, man. This is the time to do it. You know, like for real. I remember remember when Dustin was out of shape. Yes. Uh, and and he returned his gold dust at a Royal Rumble once, and I loved it. It's it's for guys like that where you go, Oh yeah, the attitude era. Or oh yeah, ruthless aggression. So uh, the problem is and there's guys out there. There's guys out there that there aren't though. You know, more more intriguing than even a Carlito surprise was last year or whenever that happened. That they're just just I don't know. They're not getting them, and I don't get it. And I, I part of me goes, is that is that also you know, the thing about Vince is yes, he was very hokey, and so like there was maybe too much focus on surprise and not em- enough focus on the main roster. And now there is focus on the main roster, but is it like, is is it because everybody from 2012 back hates Triple H that he can't call guys from 2010? And ask for them to make a cameo because he made their lives hell? No, because most of the guys from 2010 are either problematic or dead. So it's like... Yeah, I know. I was just about to go, give me Crash Holly. And then I'm like, well, Exactly. Like, well, you but can't. like, you, you can't... <laughs> I think <laughs> yeah, part yeah. of it, too, is Hunter 
has almost too much reverence and respect for the Rumble. And it's stupid when you get like a surprise Doink appearance because like Doink isn't going to main event WrestleMania. So you're really taking a spot away from a deserving talent. And it's very difficult to look at your roster and tell these guys, hey, I know you, you're working for your spot. You're getting moved down the card because Randy Orton is back. Hey, you're getting moved down the, the card because Punk is back. So the Rumble was a chance for a lot of these guys to get major moments. And there were very few guys in the Rumble who didn't belong at all. Like we didn't get, even though I like him, we, we didn't get anybody from Alpha Academy. Like he didn't get Tazawa doing his goofy little dance or Otis, who we know has no chance of really winning or, or even Gable, who I think the world of who didn't really belong in there. Like everybody in there or almost everybody in there belonged in this men's rumble and could have legitimately made something of winning it. That is true. Um, but then also, I mean, you have this TNA relationship in the women's yeah. rumble. Why is there no TNA relationship in the men's? So that was the other thing I was going to say. Why like you give us Aga. They teased it. And, it, and you look at who's on the TNA roster. I would have loved to have seen Moose. Josh Alexander, man, are you kidding me? Josh Alexander would have been great. Um, you, it would have been hilarious if they brought in Nick Nemeth. Oh my gosh, so funny! Especially since they name dropped Dolph at one point during the match. But like, yeah, there there are some guys you could have. I mean, brought it, hell, just just to piss Mike off on the off chance he listens to this, I will point out. You know, Tommy Dreamer was at the building. He was doing busted open. Could have had. Uh, yeah, he was in Tampa. They were doing a live busted open from the uh, from the arena. Bully Ray, there's nothing wrong with a with a with a Bubba spot. Never. Uh, and I am I'm genuinely and I know I I know the face you're making. I'm shocked AEW hasn't used him yet. Shocked. They don't I know so- I, I get it. I get it. But come on. Like if anybody can be taken seriously, he can be taken serious. Tony doesn't if like If we're going to pop when Carlito comes out, we got we got to pop when Bubba Ray Dudley comes out. Problem is Tony Khan is a a, a 10-year-old child and he's mad at busted open because they've been critical of what he's been doing of late. So because they're not fully kissing his ass, he no longer has been allowing AEW talent to appear freely on busted open. Uh, he's kind of like phased now, even though Thunder Rosa and Mark Henry are on his roster. Like he's that level of Howard Hughes keeping jars of urine. Yeah. Well, there is an interest. I mean, I, I fight with it too, where it's, you know, you're a former wrestler. Uh, you, you're, you no longer wrestle and now you're, now your new income and you don't need it. Uh, you have enough money or you can make money they don't have enough money they all blew it Uh, sure but you could train you could give seminar whatever it may be um where in a lot of moments they you know they're using what they have their old success to shit on the new generation i mean if i'm if i'm a younger guy i'm fucking mad i I would hate every podcast if if i'm a wrestler yeah well so some of them don't because they're they they agree with it, but they can't say anything. So they're happy like to feel like they're not in an echo chamber where the shit that they're noticing internally is apparent to the general audience and the people who are podcasting or hosting daily shows or whatever it may be. 
but Tony just doesn't want to hear it. He just wants to hear you're awesome and everything you're doing is great. Whereas Hunter could give a flying fuck. So it's fun to see those two different worlds uh, existing in parallel right now. Uh, yeah, to it wrap- turns out both both worlds terrible at pref con- uh, press conferences. <laughs> we'll get to the press conference. Uh, final two were Drew and then Sammy was the big reveal at number 30. Sammy kind of like Liv. He had been off TV for a little while. He had a story, which was him going after Drew because Drew took him out. Crowd a year ago. Remember, guys, a year ago, WWE had to change how they booked the Rumble because they didn't want Cody to be in there for longer than being number 30 because they were worried that the audience was going to start taking over the show and want it to be Sami Zayn. That's why they booked last year's Rumble the way they did was to try to minimize the amount of boos that Cody might have gotten because the crowd wanted Sammy. Sammy was that white hot. A year later, they're like, uh, it's Sammy. Cool. I'll say this. Um, I I like one thirty is always going to be. Yeah, you're you're. It's like your number one guy. You want him to come out, right? Uh, Sammy to me is a number thirty spot. He's been away long enough, and he's. He's like maybe technically the best the company has, yes. right? Um, but the way he was used, the moment he gets in the ring to the moment he's thrown out, you did not feel like he was even going to play an important role in anybody's elimination or in anybody's story. And, and and Drew eliminated him, and it felt like nothing. It felt like nothing. Anybody could have eliminated him. I think – Less of a fail on, you know, however people may feel about Sammy. I think they booked Sammy to not do a single thing but come out. And uh, yeah. and they needed to do more with him because he is, like, a very important character. And every time he comes out, there is that story because he's been around for so many years. And they fail to tell any story. Hunter ran into the Tony Khan problem here. I think Hunter assumed that everybody remembered that Sammy got taken out by Drew like a month and a half ago. They haven't really referenced it on TV since. They haven't shown updates about it. Drew's story subsequently was talking shit about Cody, talking shit about Jey Uso, talking shit about Punk. So you kind of forgot that Sammy was coming back and wanted to get revenge for what Drew did to him. So what should have felt like a bigger moment didn't because I think a lot of the audience just kind of forgot that that was a thing. But your your final guys, at least, or Sammy, Priest, Drew, Hunk, Cody, Gunther, any one of those guys theoretically could have won and you wouldn't have been like, eh, as opposed to that one year where like Santino was in there at the end. So at least from that perspective, it worked. Your final four... Punk, Drew, Gunther, yeah, no, and Cody. Yeah. I mean, hey, the final six was, uh, yeah, the final six could have genuinely won. Uh, they could have. Yes. Yeah. Then they got to, so they got to the final two, Punk and Cody. That got weird. Am I, am I, am I off well, here? Like the vibe I mean, in the one- crowd, they did not know who they wanted to win. And they're like, they they just they just went silent like they just didn't know because Punk was kind of being a heel in the whole like I'm not losing to Dusty's kid 
Cody seem like, oh, we're we're gonna ram this guy down our throats and finish the story or whatever it is, and the audience just didn't pick a side. Yeah, one, I think it was like a step a little too slow for anybody to actually get on board with it in a um remember when HPK and Undertaker had like a little match yeah. when they were the final two in a rumble once. And it felt like uh I mean it felt like a main event. It felt like a singles match, which is what this should have felt like. And look, it turns out Punk was hurt. But yeah, yeah even more than that, I think we were a little confused where all of us going in kind of said, Oh, Punk's gonna win this and Cody's gonna find his way uh to Roman some other way. Yes. And then when you see them looking at each other, you're like, oh no, it has to be Cody. Um, but it's still a little off. And then Punk is is like forcing the hey guys cheer Cody, but they were doing it anyway. Yeah. And so it's uh yeah, it felt a little a little like disconnected. Like they were performing the lines, not living the moment. And so that elimination on paper and the way they probably spoke to each other about it. Uh wow, on paper, that's that's amazing. That's the end of a of a of a good book. But just execution was like it was dress rehearsal. It felt very dress rehearsal. Yeah, I agree. I it was it was weird. But, but two years in a row, Cody's won, and two years in a row the crowd wanted it. So that's impressive as hell. They did. Having Roman and, and Seth in in suites was a really nice touch. Oh God, I loved that. That was great. Great, great, great. That was great. Um we'll talk briefly about the post match press conference. So you I'm sure you saw the clips, right? Oh, I watched the whole press conference, yeah. Cody stepped up huge. He went out there and some guy uh who uh used to do a daily podcast at noon Eastern, <laughs> uh, some some cherubic uh, dude was like, "Hey, Cody, uh, what do you think of Vince?" And Cody stepped into his executive vice president, you know, big boy boots, and he gave a really delicate, elegant answer. When Hunter got asked the question, his response was, "Fuck off." Not the yeah, best. Yeah, it was very. Hunter yeah. reacted like kids were asking for McDonald's when we had food at home, and and Cody treated it. Ex this was a moment, and I didn't. I I felt corny, um, emphasizing it in text message. So I I tried not to, but I genuinely think this was the biggest moment of Cody's career, because after a Royal Rumble victory. The, uh, the second year in a row where a crowd wanted him to win, which is very rare nowadays. People turn on a motherfucker. We are shocked that people are still behind Cody's story. That's impressive, um, especially because he's very cheesy, right? But anyway, Evie, chill. Cody goes out there, gets asked a question that, honestly, you would expect Hunter to be asked, not, yes. not the performer. Cody gets asked the question, and he doesn't just answer it well. He answers it like we, like we 
we think politicians answer things. I mean, the truth is there's no politicians that even answer questions this good anymore. That's why we hate politicians so much. But this was so eloquently dodging shit and making things look good in a way that, and I told you guys, it, whoever has the most money in TKO, Ari Emanuel or whatever, I'm going to Cody after that. And I'm like, how do we make sure that in five years, in 10 years, you are in a position to help us uh, behind the scenes in a bigger way than Triple H with create that that was bigger than creative. That was that was better than than John Cena. I mean, J John Cena folded uh, to China. You know, Cody want to do that. This was a beautiful <laughs> uh, uh, U.S. president answer. <laughs> this yeah, was fucking worked. wild, man. It worked. I mean, oh, this was this was like this was give the guys the key to the the company type shit. The way he answered this, I this he guy, gave, he, woo, he gave I mean, the this answer. Guy was like. Yeah, no, he gave the answer, and then Hunter was kind of like, he's in a tough position because you want to be like, hey, huge Netflix deal, $5 billion. Rock on the board of directors. Rumble, we just gave you the Bailey story, the Cody story. This thing is sold out. We're, we're like we have massive shows coming up for the next couple months. We gave you Andrade, we gave you Naomi, we gave you the TNA thing. You know, I don't want to get bogged down and talk about Vince. Was kind of part of the vibe. The other part of the vibe, the other part of this that's tough is WWE essentially has been is pulled into this lawsuit, and Hunter, as an executive in the company really can't put himself in a position to to take a position and comment on it beyond just, you know, this is an unfortunate situation. He said, I didn't read the complaint. I, I don't believe that for a second. Uh, he did not handle this well, but there was very little he could actually say without something becoming actionable because her allegations were people in the company knew, the company was was... Uh, aiding and abetting whatever occurred to her. So they're on the hook. And he is very much an executive in that company. And it's like, uh, you know, just maybe don't do the fucking press conference. There is a definite maybe don't do the press conference. But again, Cody, a person who should not be expecting this question, uh, pulled flowers out of his ass. Yeah, right? he did. Hunter, who... I mean, everybody should have been like, this is what's going to be asked. This is how you answer. Even more than that, Triple H sat down and he goes, before I start, I want to I want to address some things. And he read off a piece of paper, some important points, some important people to thank. He actually took a moment to, I mean, if you paid attention to the camp press conference, uh, he spoiled mania and like the future of WWE because he was like, Cody is the guy. Um and he went out of his way, and he was reading it off of paper. These were bullet points he had. Yeah. Uh, complimenting Bailey, complimenting the staff. How are one of those bullet points not a prepared statement that is like, I'm aware you want to ask questions about that. Um, this is my statement on that, and I will not be taking any more questions other than this statement yeah. in terms of that. And then have a goddamn statement. To not is – he thinks he's Dana White. And uh, you are dealing with a situation that Dana White has not had to deal with. 
And so you can't walk in and be like, oh, fuck, uh, hey, man, freedom of speech or whatever, you know, like whatever you think is going to. It's not a, hey, we did have a, gr a great week. Yeah, you did. Creatively, you had a great week. Um, in terms of a piece of business, you had a great week. But then something gigantic happened that you have to address. And the fact that he didn't, I, I'm like genuinely, I do not know how uh, all those guys at TKO were not furious with him, like furious with him after that. Maybe now they, they've forgiven him, but Saturday night, I would be pissed at Hunter Hearst Helmsley or Paul Levesque, whatever yes. his name is. I I don't disagree. Bad man, that was awful. That was awful. Oh, it was it was fucking stupid. Um, not thrilled about that situation at all. Um, Raw Monday night. We're gonna touch on a couple. We're not gonna do a full like dynamite or dud for three hours of Raw. Um, some of the big moments first. Pat McAfee now on commentary every week for Raw. Great news for Netflix. I thought he was he was more entertaining on Raw than he was in some parts during the Rumble. Him and Cole have have good chemistry together. I am happy that it seems the report now is that the SmackDown commentary team is going to be Corey Graves and Wade Barrett because I thought Barrett did a hell of a job on Raw, and I was worried that they were going to like fire him or whatever. Yeah, no, I think Barrett is great. And I think Pat McAfee uh, also belongs on, on Raw. Um, I like the fact that he doesn't necessarily know everything that's going on. And there's like an ignorance to him. And he gets excited about stupid shit and confused about things that Michael Cole understands. So, yeah, that's all good. It's all good. Yeah. And and honestly, more people might tune in because of Pat. So, even if it's just a few more people. So the next segment, I'm just going to kind of lay out what happened, and I'm going to get Scott's feedback on it. So CM Punk comes out, arm in a sling. Uh, he congratulates Cody. He says what happened to him. He said not to, uh, you know, don't don't feel sorry for me. I'll I'll find my way back. This you know this would have been my shot at Mania, um, but I'll recover. He then talked about Chad Gilbert who uh, is in the band Newfound Glory. Um, I went to high school with Chad, so that was definitely a uh, an emotional moment where he was talking about Chad's uh, dealing with cancer. Uh, he was genuinely very emotional at this point, and you're, like, sucked in, and you're like, wow, this is uh, this is real life oh, kind of yeah, unfolding. Yeah, he's always got bags under his eyes. Yeah, these were, like, industrial... Uh... In industrial Home Depot bags under his eyes. So he gets interrupted by Drew. And we know that the triceps injury is legit. So Drew comes out there. He says, look, I, I know that I said that you were a poison in the locker room. Um, I know that I said a lot of bad things about you. And I see what, you know, what happened to your arm. And I got to be honest, I prayed for this and it happened. And it was such a mic drop moment. Drew, who obviously, yes, I'm in the bag for Drew. I get it. He fucking stepped up as a top tier heel. He attacked Punk. Kudos to Punk for taking physicality despite his injury. Uh, Sammy came out to kind of make the save. But when that segment was over, 
I think for all four of us uh, on the text chain, like high fives all around, like a round of applause for what Drew McIntyre delivered there. Oh, yeah. And I, I think um, since Punk has been back, the one dropping pipe bombs has been Drew, right? He's the one that's actually made sense in terms of what he's saying. Yeah, he's frustrated, uh, but he's making points. I mean, that is CM Punk's gimmick. Uh, yes, he's the bad guy, but he's right. Damn punk. And so, one, the punk promo was unbelievable. Um, when he comes back, whenever he comes back, it, it's why no matter what, he's pushed to the top. It's why yeah. he was, after 10 years and going to the competition, even though they don't feel like competition anymore, um, he was going to be thrown into the main event. And there's a moment in this where he's like, I'm still going to main event mania. And you go, oh, wow, next year, even though he's hurt, they might move mountains to make sure he main main events next year. And it's because he's able to create moments like this. When he does get hurt, he stands there and he goes, I mean, you made a post about it, you know, where it's like, did this guy just earn an Emmy? Uh, No wrestler deserves that. But CM Punk does have that ability where you are watching the real guy. And so, you know, a lot of people go like, oh, his return to wrestling has been a disappointment. I disagree entirely. I think everything he does is is uh, miles ahead of everybody else. And anytime he decides to come to wrestling, it's a fucking blessing, man, because he has it so in his in his soul. He gets it. He is wrestling. That character, um, anytime he chooses to to bring it out, it's a rocky character. It's something everybody believes in, something everybody gets behind. And this setback of like, oh, a guy who who waited 10 years to make his return and now he's hurt. I mean, maybe that's the story you tell when he's back is like time waits for no one. You waited too long, man, and now you're fucked. You thought you were going to have that nice moment. That nice moment doesn't exist. Not yeah. when you wait too long. Um, there's so many ways you can go with it and you know – He's good enough to handle uh, a great storyline, and he's not just going to fumble. But anyway, then you get Drew, and it's like it's like handing the pipe bomb over to somebody. Uh, and now while Punk is gone, there is this guy who, I mean, is it Drew versus Seth at Mania? And does Drew win? It it feels that way. Uh, there, uh, I mean, we'll we'll get to the the Seth piece of it, but the way that Punk set up. When I come back, I'm going to main event Mania. But before I do that, I'm going to kick your ass. Like you could headline SummerSlam with Drew and Punk at this point, and it wouldn't feel out of place. I, I guess what I'm hearing is um, because of the injury, and more specifically because of his age, healing is going to it's going to be like a he's back at Survivor Series type of thing not a he's back at SummerSlam so, yeah, uh, again, Survivor, whatever, the, the, whatever the big show he's back yeah. I know they said like it could be like four to eight months so whenever he's back you're going to get that match Sammy coming out to make the save was a nice passing the baton of here's the baby face you got to cheer for who's going to try to kill Drew um, I thought it worked the um the first hour raw was commercial free. So they gave us uh DIY versus Damian priest and Finn Balor. And if you, if you follow, if you subscribe to uh, our Patreon at the $10 tier on the something to sports entertainment with tier, you've heard my thoughts on DIY much as I love those guys. 
it's been hard to really kind of give a fuck about them. This match I thought was awesome. I thought they all, all four of these guys were like on the same page. The audience connected to it. You felt like you were getting this like old school brain busters, rockers kind of Saturday night main event kind of match. Did, did you have the same thought or am I like overblowing this? No, I'm glad you said that because it reminded me of like a very good uh, junior tag match in New Japan where uh, you go, oh, these are tag teams. They are working together. Um, they are making sense. And uh, this is good shit. Yeah, no, I, I love this. So after the match, there's a so Judgment Day kind of has to do a reset because Judgment Day, they were teasing. Are they breaking up? They're not breaking up, whatever. Then they didn't. None of them won the Rumble. So you needed to kind of realign things there they bring out our truth and priest i thought was really good in this segment the idea of like hey man i think you're really entertaining but you're not in the judgment day but because i like you i'm not going to be the one that's going to do this and then you have jd and dom attack our truth and miz come out for the save and him get laid out i can't believe i'm saying this i think you could go to mania with finn and Priest against R-Truth and Miz, and it feel like a legit match. Oh, that sounds amazing. I mean, that sounds perfect, actually. Yeah. And, and uh, um, you know, I'm not someone who looks back at uh, the awesome truth, you know, fondly, but no. I understand it. And, uh, and in terms of what R-Truth is going to do with the Judgment Day, yeah, you're right. He does need the Miz to have his back. And so that that is the way to go. I also think, you know, you could still have that match. Um, and I think Drew and, and the type of story you want to tell with Drew McIntyre is like he reminds me of a Naito in New Japan where, you know, like it's like he won the title, but it was during COVID. You know, it's like anytime he gets any type of shine, it really doesn't feel like shine. It's uh, he's cleaning up people's shit, you know? Yeah. And so to have Drew finally win that title in front of all these people and then Damian Priest uh, come out, he'd be a face at that point. And then Priest to beat Drew on Mania Night 1 after Drew beats Seth would be very funny and very fitting of a uh, of a psychotic, bitter Drew who can cut a hell of a promo. I don't hate that. Um, Cody comes out to, to you know, they kind of like already were like, hey, he's going after Roman. And before he can even really talk, Seth comes out. And the gist of his promo here was, you know, fight me instead. Uh, he says that Roman is not the guy anymore. The title he has is the Hulk Hogan title. You want the workhorse title. You want the dusty title. You want the guy that defends it week in and week out, not the guy that shows up like once a quarter. Roman isn't the guy. I'm the guy. Fight me. This segment felt like we needed to course correct because of the punk injury. We needed to make it seem that if they go with Cody and Seth, there is a story here that it's not heel Seth Rollins against babyface Cody that it's two guys fighting for this legacy of being the the workhorse, the best guy in the ring versus being the best sports entertainer. And if they call the audible and they go Cody and Seth, you can do Roman and Rock, and no one's going to really be upset about it. But Cody finishing his story by beating another babyface 
feels a little lesser than. Yeah, it's also just not the story, right? He wanted to win the title. His father never won. He did want to win the whole Hogan title. He yeah. he he, uh, he wanted the money title, not the not the workers title, because right. Dusty got the workers title. He didn't get the money title. So it is contradictory. I it felt like a oh shit, Punk is out. We might need to do Cody Seth. Yeah, and I think they found out they can't do Cody Seth. I think they put uh, themselves I'm not going to knock them for, for putting it out there. I guess the only way you know is if you put it in front of the crowd. But like now we know. Nobody wants that. I mean, people were booing that. And and I think it made Seth's title look stupid. Um, when Cody doesn't pick Seth, it's going to make Seth look stupid. Yeah. So, yeah, wasn't good. Didn't make much sense. Uh, again, in the sense of like, put it out there and see what happens. I do understand but oof, don't do that again. No, it was a it was a knee My jerk. Dog. It was it's fine. Uh, it, your your dog is is it, you're not like Dan getting really pissed at the dog, so I'm okay with it. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean they, they they have a couple of different options. They did um, uh, Jay Uso beat Bronson Reed to set up the fact that he's kind of the number one contender for the Intercontinental title. They did uh, Kofi versus Gunther. We knew what that finish was going to be, but at least it was a solid match. And then in the main event, they gave you Sammy and Drew. And Drew, who cut a hell of a promo to open the show, him and Sammy had a hell of a main event match. Like, they treated this like this was a pay-per-view main event. I thought we were getting Sammy and Drew at Mania. I get it because you didn't do a totally clean finish here. You could go back to it. I wouldn't be mad if they they revisited this for uh, for Mania. Yeah, I mean, I was thinking more Elimination Chamber, but you would assume they're going to be in an Elimination Chamber, right? Oh, you could stack the uh, hell out of the Chamber match. Well, the Chamber match is going to decide who's fighting for one of the titles, right? That's the that's the common trend, unless we're 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 changing it up, and it's a um. It's like a team chamber match, which no, that they wouldn't do that. I mean, it, I feel like they're gonna have to do a, a women's chamber match to determine who's gonna face Rhea, because Bailey called, you know, came out there and then and then Nia like attacked Rhea and Yokozuna squashed her. So you're trying to tease: Are we gonna get Nia and Rhea? Are we gonna get Nia, Rhea, and Becky as a triple threat? But yeah, we'll probably get. Yeah, but like, okay, here. isn't Rhea from Australia? Yeah, is she from Australia? Yeah, she's Australian. So how is she not in the main event or, or whatever that may be? She could be in the main event. They I, there's that feels yeah. like her moment. I mean, isn't this in an arena? It's in a big like fucking stadium there for whatever you yeah, know man. crazy ass sport they play. Um yeah, it's uh, they're they're in a weird position right now. I've had a book elimination chamber, quite frankly, because one of the big draws of chamber was Punk's going to be there, and Punk's not going to be there, and Roman's not going to be there, and Rhea. You could put Rhea in the chamber, but she, that would mean that she would. That's why I thought Becky was going to win the Rumble because I thought Becky saying I'm challenging for the Raw title would have meant that Rhea would have had to have defended it at Chamber and Rhea winning at chamber and then facing Becky is a cool story, but 
These are all the the problems Hunter's got to face in between press conferences. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that was oh, our... yeah, Gunther. Okay, so Gunther, where do we go with Gunther, man? You go to Gunther J. Uso. That's a hell of a match for Mania. No, it's the Usos versus each other. You could do the Usos versus each other, but Jey Uso has never won a singles title. Yeah, but you think he's got to beat Gunther? Gunther has to be beat by if Okada debuts, um, Okada, or like I mean, again, like someone who's like looked at as a um, in ring as like like the guy. Like if they signed Osprey, you'd let Osprey beat Gunther. Right now, they might not have a guy who can beat Gunther. That's why part of me was like Gunther versus Seth, and you combine those titles because. If you have two main, you know, world titles, you don't need an IC title. Nah, you can't. You can't get rid of the Intercontinental title. People like it. when they got rid of it before. Too much history, right? People lost their fucking mind. I love the Intercontinental title, so I don't want to see that go anywhere. Um, there's a lot of options. You know, it depends on what they really want to do for or who's healthy. Like we're talking about Seth, as if Seth didn't just get injured a week ago, and he might not be able to go a hundred percent. For Mania. So do you want Cody beating an injured Seth Rollins? Is that you know, that, that, that was that other piece of like, are are, are we going to see a vacant title? Are we going to see two guys that like Seth's not involved either? Because you can do that. And you can also hold off the title. And, and that is when you get the Bailey main event. I don't know that Bailey would get the main event. I think you could main event WrestleMania with Rhea and Becky and nobody would bat an eyelash. Bailey and EO doesn't carry the same weight. Now, if EO has to defend her title elimination chamber and she loses it to Bianca, maybe Bianca and Bailey is a strong enough women's main event. But I, I, I just think Rhea and Becky is really the only women's match I can see them putting on the poster and saying, this is your main event with an asterisk because Punk is hurt. Sure, sure. Uh, so, yeah, that's that's Raw. That's Rumble. It's a very technical episode. This was very, like, we were, we were like, we analyzing shit. wrestling? We talked wrestling. Uh, at no point did we, you know, Dan was so nobody mentioned China's clit. Like, it just felt weird. No, like, I miss China every day too. Uh, yeah, no, I. It sucks that like this was she would have been killing it in this era. Like her and Jade, that would have been a hell, or her and even her and Nia would have been fun. Um, but I, this, I'm irritated that you know in in that women's match you got like no a few years ago we got the Trishes and Lita's like who who is that who who is that from ten years ago? Um, Molly Holly. Molly works backstage. Right. We've so we've already like we already saw it recently. Like Molly is an agent, so we've yeah. seen it. Trish and Lita we had last year. Trish was there for a long time. I don't need to see Trish again. Like the thank you Trish stuff was whatever. Um, I don't need to see Lay Cool in there again. Um, maybe Victoria would be the only person where it's like, oh, that'd be kind of neat to see her. But I don't know oh, what her her, her standing great, is. She was great. I just I don't was know what her standing. I was big on her when I was growing up. Yeah, because she was good in the ring. Yeah, she was very very talented in the ring. Problem is, some of the folks they could use aren't there. Like you're not going to use Beth Phoenix. 
Sure. And then there's also, you know, there's a, there's a whole other group of women that they're, uh, they're about to give their Vince McMahon stories probably. Yeah. I kind of felt like that with like Maria's tweet was that something was there. You can't use the Bellas right now because of the Laurinaitis stuff. You saw them make a post, which I was surprised by. They posted like, uh, we are, sh- you know, they did not they, have to do that. But well, I guess- they abs- so they had to, because even though they're not on WWE TV, they have a podcast. Nikki has that Barmageddon show, like their media personalities. They own their whatever the fuck brand that they do. So they needed to say something. You can't just like be like, oh, yeah, our stepdad may or may not have participated in three ways with Vince McMahon. Uh, cool. Sure, sure. It, it, that's going to be the next wave of it. It's going to be people having to comment on the Vince stuff because, like, next week or this week, Argyle comes out and Cena's in there. That the, the spy movie with like the 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 with uh, Bryce Dallas Howard, where, where she's wrote like a novel that turned out to be real life, and it's got Henry Cavill and all these people and Brian Cranston. Uh, Sam Rockwell, but John Cena is one of the stars of this movie. He's going to have to do press, and I'm sure he's going to have to have a canned response about the Vince stuff. Oh, he's going to have to have a uh, a fluffy response. But if if any of these people even know John Cena, they know. I mean, John is a guy like, like when when Vince got banished. Uh, what was it a year ago or two? The first photos of Vince coming out yeah. were him hanging out with John Cena. You know, him and John Cena go on double dates. Like, there's, I'm not saying John knew, um, but he's he's got some explaining to do. And I think if if we want to get the high spot, low spot, I don't want to call it a, a low spot because if people knew, they do have to go. But my low spot is that Triple H. Uh, the way he reacted at, at the press conference and the fact that I think it, it could cost him his job uh, within the next few months um, or somebody else, their job. Just, I think it's going to make them go, wow, not everybody knows how to handle their business here. We have to look at who had associations. How do we save face even further? Because some people are just shit in the bed, man. Well, that was a big, I mean, that was a good low spot was like Endeavor supposedly is going to try to weed out some of the Vince people. And then Ronda Rousey sent out a tweet calling out Pritchard saying that Bruce is basically just the avatar of Vince. And as long as that guy's there, Vince still has a say on the product. I don't know how true that is. Where did that come from? I mean, that was a weird one. That is like, that's fucking hip hop beef, dude. To bring up Bruce Pritchard when you don't have to, to bring yourself in as a, into a conversation when you don't have to, uh, she's got dirt on Pritchard. I, I don't know what the fuck that was. Like I didn't, I don't, I wouldn't have even thought that she knew who Bruce Pritchard was. Uh, <laughs> I know that's what I'm saying. And then taking the shot at Bruce, it was so weird because it's like, wait, why does Ronda Rousey know the internal workings of creative? It's just weird. Just yeah, she must have cared more than we thought. I mean, I knew she's a, she, she was a been, fan. She must have been suggesting ideas. Yeah, something must have something must have happened there. Um, that sounded like creative beef, right? That sounded like, hey, yes. I, I had some good ideas, and Bruce, Bruce told me to fuck off. Very possible. Um, anyway, uh, so, you're, so that's your, your low spot. What's your high spot? 
Oh, he, you know, I guess my high spot will be. Uh, let me th think about this. Cody, Cody's response at the press conference. Like I said before, I think it's like his career defining moment um, or career defining night where he won a rumble, where people cheered him for the second year in a row. And then he he answered uh, a question that his higher ups couldn't answer and couldn't figure out. And he did it off the cuff and he, he did it in a way that like, I mean, legitimately proved himself as, as the guy that you give the company to. He's your John Cena, whether we like it or not. You know, there's some guys where their hands are safe to hold things. And and Cody can hold the company, just like Cena did. It, yeah. it might not be edgy or exciting, but uh, he he's not going to make us cringe either, you know? Well, uh, you're forgetting. he shows up, he might. But... No, no, first of all, how dare you? Uh, no, you're, you're forgetting his where he cured racism's promo. The, the Anthony and Gogo stuff. That was that's the, that, that's the other thing. DDP got to ask a question. Like DDP after the Rumble, um, I don't think they caught it on camera, right? But uh, but he did come out when yeah. Cody was making his way up the ramp and hugged him. Then he got to ask a question at the at the press conference. These are moments that his brother deserves to have with. That's him. what I. That's the thing. Like I've been saying this all along. I wish Dustin was done yeah, with his contract. I love DDP. But holy shit! I mean, I was in the crowd with Lawrence and 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 Soder and Saint Germain when um when Dustin fought Cody, and we all cried at the end of that match. So just think of the story Cody's telling, and then imagine Dustin there, and you know he's not um he's not going to town on a on on a top talent after getting his ankle smashed by a brick or whatever the hell. Yep. I, I don't I don't hate it. Um. Look, there's a very small part of me, as goofy as this is, despite all the things I've said. I know Jim Ross's contract's coming up in a couple weeks, and I know Jim Ross keeps saying he wants to call Sting's last match. If he doesn't re-sign with AEW and WWE is able to bring him in for a match at Mania, I would love that. I think that would be kind of cool. Um, yeah, I think you're right. His contract is almost up. He definitely... Look, and I remember this specifically because... Um, we all agreed that Jim Ross was the best announcer. And um, except Vince, like Vince never spoke of him fondly, always embarrassed him. And I remember like in high school or in college um, being aware that Vince wasn't giving JR the credit he deserved. And there's like this, some documentary, some WWE documentary where it cuts to Triple H and he's like, Jim Ross is the greatest commentator ever. And I was like, well, fucking Triple H gets it. And well, Hunter had him come he... back to call his match. He called he came oh, back to yeah. call his like taker match. Like they they these guys understand it. I remember there was a thing. Yes, the performers know, man. And and he does, D despite the fact that Jim Ross has certainly fell off and he's made a lot of matches bad for me when he's commentating. Yes. I think he deserves a, a few more moments in WWE. Because he's the best ever. He is. He's just the best to ever do it. Uh, yes, I don't. I don't need to see Jim Ross doing a rampage match with Lee Moriarty and Moxley. No, no, but... he deserves to be a main man. He did, like, dude, and and that's another thing I was kind of disappointed about the Rumble. It's like, even before the Vince news broke, where if the Vince news broke like a month earlier, I think they'd be like, "Wow, we really owe the fans some surprises and 
some exciting moments. But like just the fact that you have all this money and you have this TKO uh, moment, like get Austin to show up. Like the fact that I did actually enjoy a Hulk Hogan cameo yeah. and they used him properly. I think you have like creative people backstage now that know how to deal with your top guys like Austin and they can use him like, look, Marvel sucks now and it's because Iron Man isn't there. Yeah. And the fact that you are WWE and you're not real sports and you can have Iron Man there forever. It's like, bring back the Austins, bring back the Hogan's Fuck it, Let's go crazy. You got a billion dollars. That's how I feel about this. And Jim Ross uh, goes hand in hand with that. Let Jim Ross announce at WrestleMania, get him out of his AEW contract. L let's get silly. Uh. Did you have a high spot? Oh, you did give me. You did your high spot. I'm sorry. Oh yeah, I, I just um, gave you my high spot. Yeah, no, you're, you're right. Um, your my my low spot is. I even said it going into the weekend, like the the Vince dark cloud that Cody talked about, just being over everything for the Rumble. Like everything just kind of felt like you know we're all smiling and everybody's happy, but we all kind of know like something's going on at home. Like mom and dad are going through a divorce but the kid still has to go out and do the high school play. And that was what a lot of rumble felt like. It's, it's ugly. It's, it's just a, a, a shitty, I mean, it's a shitty situation. Sorry. Cause of the, whatever, but a, a bad situation. And it, it was a, it just was, I, there's no, I don't even have the right words to say it. It just was unfortunate. Um, my, my high spot would be the, the drew promo, Stepping up in that moment with the, with Cody, I think he sees there's an opening, there's an opportunity, and he's going to take it. So with that, let's uh, let's plug some stuff and and wrap this sucker up, Scott. Uh, my other podcast, Dapper Smokes. Also check out our Patreon, our Restoros Patreon. I did um a review of Collision that's going to be posted probably tomorrow or when you're listening to this, it'll be posted. Collision got a lowest rating ever um when, when faced off with the rumble yeah and i don't think it's just the rumble i think uh we're going through it i think like so we're recording before dynamite right now but as of now dynamite has like 1700 tickets sold um Jeez. that ain't dude that ain't good for a company that has a massive roster again this isn't just like two guys or four guys that are drawing 1,700 people. This is an entire company drawing 1,700 people at a location. That's that's uh, that's worth exploring. That's, and, uh, that's rough. Yeah, man, that's wild as hell, right? 1,700, like, who? Not, not And again, great. you would think when wrestling is hot that uh, it, it would go across the board. Just I, I think in many ways the way AEW helped WWE – um, it does not feel like the success of WWE is helping <laughs> AEW. Nope. No one is is tuning into AEW right now, man. It's TNA TNA is getting a nice. I mean, they've 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 gotten a nice boost over the last couple months, and that's continued with what we saw at Rumble. But AEW, we'll see. We're, we're look for the Patreon this week. We're going to talk Dynamite. We're going to talk SmackDown. It'll be interesting to see how Tony responds to everything else that's been going on. And if he's going to pull out a great show or it's just going to feel like, uh, oh, good, a Roderick Strong promo. But uh, 
You can uh, follow me on Twitter at WWCreative underscore ISH. And if for whatever reason you happen to be at MegaCon on uh, Thursday or Friday and you see me walking around, feel free to come up and say hi. But uh, until then, Scott, what do you want to say? Ooh, wash them hands. Wash your hands. All right. Thank you, guys. <laughs>